0: Welcome to a football show live from the pharmacy here in East Nashville on what has turned out to be a fairly gorgeous Monday afternoon. And I will say this: these people that are inside
1: need to get them? their ass fucking outside because <laughs> this this is beautiful. It's beautiful out here. You see, nobody show.
0: remembered last week when it was just dreadful. No, it's so funny you say that. Welcome to the show, football show, brought to you by Pharmacy, of course. And the Kingston Group. He is Zach Lyons, I'm Braden Gall. I'm fired up. Welcome today. to the show, I'm already in progress. No, my six year old daughter looks like at seven a.m. this morning because she Metro Schools are back in, and she looks at me and she looks out the window. She comes downstairs and she looks at us. She goes, "Dad, there's some sunshine." Like even she knows. Yeah, it's been terrible the last it couple has. of days in Nashville. Um, all right, so we've got a lot of stuff to get to Woo. today on the show. Holy smokes! Um, obviously, there's lots of stuff with the GM situation for the Tennessee Titans as Amy Adams shrunk. Has a timely release of some comments about yeah. the GM search on what is normally considered Black Monday in the NFL. Coaches getting fired. Adiós, Lovey Smith. Adiós, Adiós, Cliff Kingsbury. A Few others probably soon to come. See as you well. soon
1: in Tuscaloosa, Cliff.
0: <laughs> I've seen a lot of t- I've seen a lot of Bama Twitter saying, "Pay that man anything he wants <laughs> yes, to please. come run the offense." Oh my gosh, that'd be in, awesome, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, obviously, we will, we we have um, lots to discuss about the game. Mike Vrabel had, I think, the longest press conference of his entire career today. Yeah,
1: it was. It was a. I wasn't expecting to come on at eleven twenty. I thought it was coming on eleven thirty. So you got ten full extra minutes. So it's forty minutes, like right on the dot. It, it
0: was very, very long and put a lot of stuff in there. Some very obvious stuff. Some not so obvious stuff. So we'll we'll have our translator here, our coach speak translator Zach over here, is going to take care of that for you and tell you everything you need to know. Uh, and of course, again, the GM search is under full full is full swing now. They're going to have interviews this week, so we'll get to that. We'll get to Vrabel and, of course, lots about Saturday night, 7 and 10. Not a victory Monday here at the pharmacy, of course. Uh, so if you have any questions, comments, what do you want to know? What do you think that, you know, What what is it that, that you have to say about Saturday and about the current state of affairs in the offseason as we head into what should be the most Interesting and news-filled offseason, maybe in modern franchise history. So get in the comment section there. Turn on all the notifications of, St- of course. And Stony Keeley already s- saying, "Get your ass effing outside, people." Um, Braid, let me
1: ask you a question. Just because you were talking about you, the future and talking about how bright it is, who would you say was the most pessimistic person, probably covering the Tennessee Titans on this show? <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, I had to clarify on the show because <laughs> there there is other people there. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think is probably gonna be the most optimistic heading into 2023?
0: Uh is it you? It's gonna be me. It's gonna be you. All right. Because
1: I had to go off on people last night thinking that in a in a group chat, specifically Mike will which football and other efforts will prove to be very explosive this this Wednesday. Uh talking about this team's not that far away from getting back to 10 wins. Double-digit wins for 211 wins.
0: It's not that far away. So there's hope, people. I got optimism for you. I, I, I do think that is the right attitude about the, the NFL in general because, again, they're also like three plays away from being a 10-win team this year, in theory. A couple of games go... Jaguars giant.
1: now get the tougher, tougher
0: schedule. That's true. That's Titans true. have an easier schedule. Although you do end up with, I believe it's the Chargers and the Dolphins in the AFC, both of which <laughs> made the postseason. Well, well anyway... We have many, many months to decide and debate and argue about the schedule and the strength of schedules and how strength of schedule in the NFL is not a thing that matters. But either way, that's neither here nor there. So we got a lot of Titan stuff to discuss uh, quickly before we tell everybody about the pharmacy and Kingston Group, our two wonderful and amazing sponsors on the show that bring you a football show every single Monday and Thursday live across all platforms at 1 p.m. Turn on the notifications, people. Um, is is we do have a national championship game, and obviously this this commentary will go out of date very quickly because it is tonight. Uh, I just wanted to once again reiterate um, sort of the gravity of the situation, what could be accomplished. No preseason unranked team has won a national championship since 1990. No non-Blue Blood has won a championship since 1990. Only three times in history has a first-year head coach won a national championship. Sonny Dyke's trying to do that. No Big 12 team has won a national title since 2005. TCU hasn't won one since 1938. And no team with a losing record the year before has won a national championship since 1965. So just some history. Into why tonight, if should TCU pull the upset, which they won't, should TCU pull the upset, the the gravity and the history and sort of the unprecedented nature of what could happen tonight. So we're all frogs. All frogs. We're all frogs. I cannot get
1: one Georgia fan to let me come over to their house and watch (laughs) the game because the last time, specifically one Georgia fan, last time I did was the Alabama game at halftime where Tua came in and won the game at the very end and that guy he yeah. left the room went out on his Nashville balcony and we never saw him ever again that night like he basically silently he reversed irish goodbye he'd
0: stayed and told us goodbye by making oh. us leave he didn't go he didn't go full Isaiah wilson off the no off the no, balcony no. okay um i just listen i i wouldn't invite you back after that 2017 <laughs> national title either but we're all fra- hypno for life tonight yes. But again, any thoughts on, on the, the actual outcome, though? Has anything changed? Again, this will be real quick here. We're going to dive right into the Titans. But he, I
1: have not been a Max Dugan believer, especially for the pro level at the next. So I'm interested to see what he does against yeah. a Georgia team because he looked really good against a, um, a Michigan team, which is pro-ready. And you're going to get some pro-ready against Georgia. Here's the thing, though. Here's the story. If you are a Tennessee Titans fan, you need to be looking at Quentin Johnston. Yes, yes, you do. Okay, that's what you need to be looking at. Obviously, Titans should trade up everything for Bryce Young. If ends, no if ends or buts. It's the only logical conclusion that the Titans you should come with. But for, for the record, if you are watching this game from a Titans perspective and have no dog in the fight, I think that Quentin Johnston is the guy to be looking at. And Number one there you purple.
0: Go. Yeah. Number one purple. He's like six, four. 220 elite wide receiver will be a first round pick. So, yes. uh, and we'll probably and we'll absolutely be on the board when the Titans pick. Uh, at 10, more than but, likely, a lot of people have a wide receiver one. I don't know about that, but we'll see. I think there's court lots of quarterbacks and tackles, but guess what? We have so many months to decide. Yes. Uh, and we're gonna have some really, really fun coverage of the draft this year across all the 440 and Broadway sports media platforms. So, make sure you stay tuned, turn all those notifications on, enjoy the game for what it could be unprecedented victory if TCU pulls it out, if Georgia wins, which is what I'm suggesting will happen i think fairly easily um then of course the stetson bennett story which we all roll our eyes at now will actually end up being kind of like a rudy disney movie at some point down the road so just appreciate it appreciate that no offense yeah. sorry appreciate that it's not an alabama dynasty okay we can all we can all find joy so it'll just that. be a georgia ba- dynasty or georgia Woo, dynasty big whoop yeah hey listen so let me ask you a Red's question easier to look at um yeah. what's the line at now uh, it has. I don't know. I haven't checked it recently. Um, I can pull that up for you if you want me to. If you've got a question, you should, no, I just like to was ask. wondering if you're if it's if it's still where it was and all that kind of so stuff. So I believe Saturday morning, 70% of the money was in on TCU, but that's all that's not the real money. Uh, I'm assuming what I what I was told by some Vegas people was that all the hard money is waiting for the line to get to the bottom and then everybody's going to come in and hammer it, whether that's 11 and a half or 12, whatever the number might be. And they're the, the wise guy money is going to hammer Georgia. So I, I would probably lay the points and take Georgia, but uh, I really hope it's not 38 to 10. That's my concern is that it's going to be like 38 to 10 and boring because we had a great Saturday a couple of weekends ago. So, all right, just wanted to touch base on that, make sure everybody knows that that's happening, of course, uh, tonight, and uh, we'll recap some of that game on Thursday from a Titans perspective and from a college football perspective and from an SEC perspective. But just know about the history and the unprecedented nature that you could witness tonight should it happen, but it won't. Sorry. Another GM Sorry. candidate breaking news for oh, the Tennessee Titans.
1: Bill, senior director of pro personnel Malik Boyd will interview for the vacant Titans general manager job. Has
0: a great reputation. This is from Ian Rappaport 20 minutes ago. So while we were setting up. So we will get you the list. That means seven now official candidates that we know of publicly for the Tennessee Titans, for their general manager. We'll get to all the stuff that Amy Adams shrunk had to say, the interviewing process, starting the two rounds, the search firms, the consultant, all the stuff that is, or is not a part of this process. We'll get to all that coming up. So, uh, however, before we get to the Titans matchup with Jacksonville and the loss and what cost them on Saturday evening, seven and 10, let's enjoy a nice cold, tall, frosty one here brought to you by the pharmacy, but also brought to you bearded Iris, man. This is locally sourced, Local brews brewed specifically for the pharmacy. You can't get this Pilsner anywhere else, but you can get and it right it's so here good. on a 50 degree day with gorgeous sunshine, no wind, beautiful day. So come out to the pharmacy in East Nashville, get yourself a burger, get yourself a brat, get yourself some Polish sausage, some tots, some horseradish mustard. Mush- the Bayou Bushner? Burger, which I'm going to stick around and stay here, oh. and I'm going to get me a Bi- Bayou I think, Burger. That thing looks damn good. Uh, I think it's like pic- pickles, spicy pickles, and, you know, coleslaw. It looks so good. It looks delicious. But this is what they do. A good burger place will constantly be revamping the menu and adding new high-quality options, and that's right. what the pharmacy does for you folks. So come on out to the pharmacy in East Nashville. They also have a location. Downtown as well, and of course the Kingston Group, our great and awesome, wonderful partners that have been with 440 for over two years now. We love you guys. I, I think it is the best option in this city to do any work on your home. Full stop. They're locally owned. They're award winning. They've been doing it for over a decade in Nashville. They're owned by Nashville. In fact, they're owned by former football players in the SEC. One of the guys that owns oh. the, owns the company. So they're sports fans as well. Um, they work with a lot of local charities. They are unbelievable people. And they will absolutely treat your house like their own. And that is the key. They'll give you the whole operation from nose to tail. They'll tell you what, what everything costs and they will hit their marks. They'll hit their budget. They'll hit their time. And if they don't, they'll take care of you. So, like, they, they will make sure it's it, it, that you have the best possible experience. Buildkg.com is the website. So, that's the pharmacy. That's the Kingston Group, Broadway Sports Media. And of course, uh, all the stuff at 440 Sports as well. Really fun Fringe Element podcast, by the way, coming up tomorrow. We've got a comedian from the Well-Read Comedy Tour who's a huge Georgia fan. He's going to be on the show. Corey Forrester tomorrow on Fringe Element, one of the funniest dudes on the internet. And a huge Georgia fan. So he's already scheduled to come on tomorrow to recap whatever happens tonight. So we'll see. Ooh. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, so check out all the other pods. Um, and sign up for an insider account at Broadway Sports yeah, Media. definitely. All right. Yeah. Titans-Jags. Now, I, you and I disagree on the fumble versus the forward pass. So we're not going to spend a lot of time debating that. Um, I think reasonable minds can totally disagree on that. I think it's it's absolutely fair. I think the more important conversation, um, and I, I think we should leave them guessing as to who thinks what. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> Just, with it. One of I us, think they should know probably who. who <laughs> if thinks you follow
0: what. on Twitter and you follow me on Twitter, you'll know. But I don't. Us,
1: I didn't say anything about it on Twitter because it was such a non-story to me. Okay, okay. So then maybe that gives you the there hand of where one, I one land. of us
0: thinks it was completely and obviously a forward pass, and one of us thinks that it was completely and obviously a fumble. And I'm okay with reasonable minds disagreeing on that. I don't like that the review seemed like it took like all of eight seconds. I know it was a little bit longer than that, but it didn't feel like they looked at it a ton. And I I think it ties into two bigger stories about that game, which was the Titans' overall strategy to be incredibly conservative for the entirety of the game and Josh Dobbs not making mistakes. I think those are the only two ways that I thought they could win the game. And they had it in their hands. Oh, they gave it to him. And the the two big mistakes by Josh Dobbs in the second half. and, And, of course... No adjustments at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> and that that led to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were just there waiting for the opportunity to win the game the entire time. Also, by the way, I thought made a bunch of mistakes in the red zone. Trevor yeah. Lawrence missed two two big mistakes as well. But Trevor Lawrence in the last three games, including this one, is one touchdown pass. Yep.
1: So spare me that the Trevor Lawrence has arrived tweets here. They, he's well, you and I disagree
0: on that. I think Trevor yeah. Lawrence is really good.
1: Well, really good players don't miss open passes like the ones he bad. missed. So,
0: and and the fumble was a was a, in yeah. scoring territory as well. You got to take care of the football. Um, so it was there. It was all there for the Titans. I saw a lot of, and I, this is where I think we can start because I know you want to go Josh Dobbs and I want to go conservative game plan here, and I think. There's a lot of complaining, as usual, about running the ball with Derrick Henry into a loaded box on Mm -hmm. first down. And I get that. I understand what average,
1: like one point nine yards per carry, something ridiculously stupid
0: that they kept doing off the side, off the right side. They did a little bit better outside of the tackle box. They did a little bit better, but especially on the final one of the final drives where they're backed up inside their own 10 and they're running the ball very conservatively. A lot of people complaining about that. And my argument is I don't think they could have won the game any any other way except for being pretty conservative. And trying to bring as many people into the box, try to just hold on for dear life and pray that Josh Dobbs doesn't make the one big mistake that cost him, which, of course, is what happened. I just don't think you can win that game with a different type of game plan, if that makes sense. Well, I think that there needs to be an
1: adjustment to your
0: game plan. You're thinking,
1: I agree. Derrick Henry should be your featured back. But when they're crowding the box, what should you be doing? Play action passing at some point, you should be utilizing Derrick Henry in the play action passing game, which they did not do is, again, 25 something percent of his dropbacks and none of I think only one was on first down. I think it was two passes that ended the night, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe three on first down. They had a Outside couple, of the garbage time drive, you know, or the yeah, end yeah, of yeah. the drive. He
0: had a couple, and actually one of them was a really good play, and one right. of them was, like, a bad play. I, they threw so, early on third and short, though, too. Which I think, which is,
1: against, I think is, is counterintuitive to what you should be doing. It's count, it's, count, I, it's
0: off-trend or whatever, the, the, right? the problem. The problem
1: is, is that they overthink it. If, if yeah, you, cannot, you cannot run... Derrick Henry and sustained drives on first down like they were doing. They won't, they weren't able to do it on a consistent basis. You mix in play action passing on first down. I'm not saying it can traditional drop back passing, but you got to mix in some play action passing to get the the defense to bite on the flip side on second and two, third and two, fourth and two. Derrick Henry has got to be in there. There (laughs) are times he wasn't even in there. I don't even think that he has to get the ball necessarily, Right. But there is no
0: reason to take him off the field as much as they did. they took him off the field a lot. So stand. I'm not going to defend that part of the equation. I think some of it was that he they knew he was going to have a heavy workload. And he was pretty exhausted at the end of it all. I think at the beginning, though, what I liked about the third and short passing from Josh Dobbs, because they actually went to the same. They ran the little rub route with Austin Hooper on like a third and two. Got the first down. I think what they were doing was trying to show Jackson Jacksonville, look, we're willing to throw the ball and run situations. We're willing to trust Josh Dobbs. Then they came back and did the exact same play with Robert Woods on the other side of the field and, and put a little confidence and a little, a little wind in Josh Dobbs' sails. And I actually think that's why it worked so well in the first half. But the, like the, again, the specific drive in the fourth quarter when you're down inside your own 10, I think you have to be extremely conservative. Uh, yeah, that, that, that I didn't mind okay like with. the
1: two minute 50 seconds, I think, is when they got the ball back or whatever before he turned it over or before they had to think they had to punt it or whatever, whatever. There was a drive where, every, where you're right. Everybody's like, why are they playing to just run the clock out? And I'm like, well, that's what you're, you're in the fourth quarter. They're, they're trying the chance to, to win. Yeah, they're trying to get the chance to win. The best cha- best route to that win is to drain the clock and get into a position to score a touchdown. And the best way to get into those positions to score touchdowns is typically through Derek Henry. The problem is, is that Derrick Henry is just not Derrick Henry of old. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame the offensive coordinator all you want. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Derrick Henry is not breaking the runs that he used to be known to
0: break. So this goes to, like, if I think the officials were a big part of this, and if you believe it was a forward pass and you think oh, the entire season got screwed, my question to you would be, like, this goes with Josh Dobbs and with the game plan and with the situational situation, the game situation, which is, they get the ball up six with four minutes to go in the third quarter. It, that's the interception by Dobbs way down the field on the left, where they missed the blo- the, oh, the crackback block. Just on a horrible Burks. throw, by the way. It, terrible throw, but terrible, terrible. They throw. did they did note though that the block on Burks probably should have uh, a lot of good back. that does you now. Right, exactly yeah, those those notes sure are helpful. The next drive, <laughs> fourteen minutes in the fourth quarter, they get the ball. That's where they have a like a sixty yard run by Derrick Henry mm-hmm. called back on a holding call. So uh, that one was probably a good call in that situation. They end up punting. They get the ball back with 11 minutes to go. Then they get the ball back two more times. They they ha- My question is, they had opportunity. So if you do believe it was a terrible call and the ref stole your se- season from you, which I know one of us doesn't believe. But if you do believe that. Dobbs do, stole the season from you, did, by the way. Do you think that the team, like I subscribe to the theory that referees don't cost you games. Right. Just in general. Well, that, that, that play would have never came into question. If Joshua Dobbs had read his protection right and read
1: the defense correctly and thrown to Robert Woods, who was wide open, I believe is Robert Woods. It's hard to tell
0: on the backside, but
1: he was wide open, and that's the route the route you're supposed to read in the correct situation. He did not read the situation correctly. Josh Dobbs did a lot of good, and he did a lot of stuff where he audibled out and everything, but he personally cost this team those wins with not reading that route right on the fumble pass, whatever you want to call it. And also, checking down 10 yards short on fourth yeah, down that one was, weird. was just yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah, that one's dumb. And people came open in NFL throws because they were running the route. Traylon Burks ran his route. So Josh Dobbs, who had protection, one of the few times he had protection, had hit <laughs> Traylon Burks. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Josh Dobbs cost him that game. You can go on the game plan on all you want, but he cost him on the interception or the, the fumble and then he cost him on
0: that play for, to be able to get yards to maybe extend the play. And, and the interception, frankly, Traylon Burks had his man beat. Yeah, like he was he gone. just couldn't get it. there. He was gone if he gets it there to him. So I, I do believe now they're also not in that situation, if not for Josh Dobbs, very efficient play in the first half. So but I, he was always at so. some point going to turn into a pumpkin. I, I, I totally agree and it was sort of just like waiting. Yeah. Like if, if Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville just hung around long enough they might right. get it. They, they, they just can outweight the Titans and get the mistake and that, that's certainly what happened. I do. I, I will say I liked overall and, and the number one thing I noticed about the game was physicality and experience was Vrabel's card in this game. Mm-hmm. He said look this is a young team. This is a team, Jacksonville, that hasn't been in this situation. This is a playoff game for both of us. We've been in these situations. And they situations. were shrinking in the lights. And we are going to come out and punish you on yeah. every play. And they, and I, it, they, like Monty Rice was getting chippy the whole deal, and I thought that was a great uh, approach to the game. We're going to have to be super conservative. Let's get Josh Dobbs some confidence early, but let's set the tone on every play. Special teams, offense, defense. We are going to be here every every play, and you're going to have to beat us. Now, it turns out Josh Dobbs made a couple of mistakes, and maybe they didn't have to. But I thought it was working. I thought it was a really good game plan. I thought the coaching staff Well, I mean, it was definitely,
1: I, I think it was definitely working. There were still boneheaded play calls, like the Traylon Burks spin around and throw the ball, you know, wildly. That actually ended up being a good throw, just if he was behind the line of scrimmage, which the play call is not supposed to be that. So I don't even yeah. know why. They, those plays being in the playbook just drive me nuts, because there's no reason for them. There is no reason for that play
0: to be that. What about Traylon Burks running a slant and then throwing it halfway across the field? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's design that play and let's actually... Hey, you know that stupid-ass play... That only works against our defense. Let's do it against (laughs) the better pass defense.
0: I will say I do like the racing math play because it's like who's ever going to think that racing math is going to get the ball. And, you know, I think he got like six yards or whatever, but like they were clearly plays are
1: fine. You know, the getting the balls and because we'll talk about this later about speed, but getting the ball in your your playmakers. And I know racing math is technically not a playmaker, but he's fast. Getting yeah. the ball in those people's hands, they did a good job of doing that, I thought. And the problem is that they would occasionally go away from that. I mean, they targeted Chig. They targeted Traylon. They found ways to get them both the ball in creative situations. I mean, that's what you want. You know, maybe if they would have done that all year, they would have scored more than, like, 17.8 points per game or whatever it fucking is. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But
0: uh, 28th in the NFL scoring.
1: Yeah. But the prob- problem is, is that this team cannot just they they can't be consistent on offense and it's it's a maddening thing yeah
0: it did feel like and landon says this in the comments it felt like the titans outplayed the jags all game and found a way to lose there couldn't have been a more appropriate ending to the season for the team and it does feel like this game was the is sort of like a little bit of a microcosm to the whole season which is derrick henry's pretty darn good in the focal point but not as good as he used to be you have some offensive line issues the defense is on you can't run the football on them anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't understand why the Jags even tried to run the football, and they kind of back. I mean, by the, at one point, Derrick Henry had like twenty-three carries, and Travis Etienne had like five. So there yeah. was it was a clear discrepancy. But having a chance in the first half, playing well in the first half, no adjustments in the second half. Like you can kind of point to all the things that made this this team a seven and ten team: injuries, quarterback play, whatever. Like it's all kind of there in this game. At times, I thought the game plan and Todd Downing did a great job, and at times. Not so much. Than, I, I was you know. severely disappointed
1: in the game plan by the Tennessee Titans defense, and I don't think that's getting enough talk around town right now that I, I think that game plan, the lack of rushing the passer, or trying to rush the
0: passer. There was no pressure on yeah, Trevor
1: I, I think that's utterly ridiculous, and I know that, the, that Mike Keith said, either at halftime or leading up to this game or whatever, that their game plan is to sit back and try to tip passes. Has such a low probability of of effective way to play defense. That is ridiculous game plan strategy. Rush to passer, especially a young team that, like you said, is obviously in front of you going into halftime, struggling to play in this high pressure situation. And you decide, well, I know that they are bringing, they're creating their own pressure in their mind. Better not bring any physical pressure because that would be too easy for this team. And just leave your your pass defense, which has been atrocious
0: all year, one of the worst pass defenses yeah. in the league, uh, I think out to dead, hang on an island. I think dead last, actually, uh, finished. I will say, I know you don't love Trevor Lawrence, but you certainly can't rely on tip passes with an arm like that because for most of the first half, other than the two big mistakes he made, somebody would come open over the middle and he's throwing laser beams in there. And like, there was no time to react to a lot of those passes.
1: And a lot of those guys were open because his pass defense.
0: Sucks. Yeah, well, there you go. And some of that's certainly David long was, was a big, they missed him dearly in this. I will say, I think I, I know I was a little higher on Jacksonville in, in the preseason. I had him winning seven games, not the division, obviously, but the amount of speed that they acquired in the offseason that they put to use around Trevor Lawrence is a really interesting thing to watch because I don't think you want Vrabel going away from what makes him a good coach and his culture good, but clearly that's what Jacksonville went and did around their star quarterback and what Tennessee doesn't I, I, have I at think, all.
1: I think we have Vrabel's culture a little all wrong In in I think he alluded to that today in his press conference, but you know, this thing about Jacksonville, they're $19.9 million over the cap heading into 2023. So they're going to have to make some adjustments to the cap. And I just don't buy that Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are these guys that they were this year. I just, I, I don't buy into it. They were never this in any point in their career. And now we're talking four or five years later, they just suddenly turn on the lights, which seems a little fishy to me.
0: Well, I, I, I think they um, – here's the thing. I don't think that they are good enough to win championships or whatever. I think they're clear improvements on what Jacksonville had before. But I would also – like Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, both big-time recruits that had huge college careers with elite ability. Like I think Kirk stuck in Arizona behind two or three guys. I, I think – I mean, that dude made all kinds of great catches. <laughs> he was open a lot too. Yeah. Um, against them. but oh, again, I mean, of
1: course, Titans' uh, idea of a game plan is let's well, put Roger McCreary on yeah, Christian yeah. Kirk because we didn't learn about Christian Kirk versus Elijah Molden in uh, week one of 2021. So let's just keep putting
0: Roger McCreary. Well, He's at one point, it was really outmatched. I think he, he even had Amani Hooker on him one time. I Amani like. Hooker played a dog shit of a game. Like it, I was like, but, but also you shouldn't put Amani Hooker in man-to-man coverage no. on a wide receiver that runs a 4-3. Like, that's, not, uh, he, that's not what he does. He
1: played a horrendous Game. He stole money from the Titans this year for sure. Exactly. Romani Hooker
0: got paid, got fat, and set up on his couch. Uh by the way, Jason McDonald said Kurt Warner blamed the fumble on the lack of line shift, forcing Dobbs to find the hot route, which of course is Jobs Dobbs's job. Yes. I think we're both we're all referencing the same footage where Robert Woods is open on the backside and this is the pass fumble thing. And it is, it was and he specifically both. said Kurt Warner specifically says it is Josh Dobbs's job to read the hot route and read the
1: protection and read the defense. Now he questions why that is the way right. the play is right. designed, right. but Josh Dobbs knows that's the how the play is designed. Right. Right. So that's the that's the key difference that you're missing there. Or
0: or hopefully does who knows? Seventeen days in, if you pick up on every single one of those things, is a guy who honestly also has never been a starter in the NFL either. Like this is he's a professional. He's for, much further along in his understanding of the game than Malik Willis. But to call him a a guy that just should know everything instantly two and a half weeks into being here. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think you got as much good out of Josh Dobbs as you could have gotten. I think you had as much good from a physicality standpoint as you could have gotten. You shut down their run. You handed the ball to Derek Henry. You had a lead in the fourth quarter. Like it, you, it was all there. He didn't make adjustments at halftime. I mean, the Titans gave it to they him. They had a chance to win the game. That's it. And and it. everybody's like, well, you
1: know, well, they, they, they'll be in a position next year where they can trade up for Drake May or uh, Caleb Williams. And I'm thinking, guys, They were literally just, like, minutes away from being 20th, not 11th. This team's going to get better. I don't know why people think that Mike Vrabel's not going to get better and be in a worse draft position than this year. That's why I say trade up for Bryce Young. If you think, listen, even if it's C.J. Stroud, if you think one of those two guys is your guy, trade up to number one with the Bears. You were given a gift by Lovey Smith on high yesterday who said, fuck the Texans for trying to fire me. They they gave me all this shit. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show them I'm going to take away the first round pick. If you're the Titans, you should do whatever. You, if you tab one of these two guys as your franchise quarterback, if they do, they should do everything they can to outbid everyone and go up there and get one of those guys because you're going to have a long time just because Mike Vrabel is your head coach before you have the opportunity to move up again.
0: It's no easier time than right now. I I do agree to some extent that I think those are the two names. And if you feel like Bryce Young, in my opinion, and probably CJ Stroud actually, are 15-year starters in the NFL, you're probably never going to be closer to one of those guys than you are right now. And
1: I think 15 is a little too much. I think you're looking for 10-year starters at minimum. But even if it's a five-year starter... And they suffer some career-ending injury. You still made the right move going up because
0: by then, by that five, year five, is he the guy or not? That's it. That's all yeah, it is. Like that's if, all. If that's all if I care about. He's the guy. You go get him. If he's not, now again, what is the cost? I. I it, it's
1: nothing we can I mean, it's it. literally going to be like two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a third round and a fourth <laughs> literally round. Literally nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> it's what the Rams gave up to get Josh yeah. Do- or J- Jared Goff, and let me tell you something. Bryce Young is ten times better than than Jared Goff. Matt, Matt, Stauff, Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford. No, no, that's what they gave up to move oh, you up, mean to, Jared move up Goff. to get Goff.
0: Well, they made all Goff. these moves to, to get people. I, yeah, I was
1: confused. Um, all right, so it just doesn't matter. Like, take take the if that's your guy, take the guy. Go up and get that guy, whatever it takes to get him, because the bear the Bears don't need him, but the Texans and Colts sure do. Yeah,
0: they're right there. They're him. right there. Yeah, go get him. If you tap him. I love the draft so much. It's going to be such a good offseason for Titans fans. And no, Todd Downing has not been fired yet. Um, And he's not going to be fired. Vrabel said that today, that he's not going to be fired currently. Do we want to go into that? that, Where where do we want to to start with? Let's start with Vrabel's press conference first, and then we'll get to Amy Adams. Because Vrabel's answers inside the press conference kind of refer back to the comments. I think we need to go the other way, because then we can allude back to the conference. This
1: is called collaboration right here. Live, which is uh, apparently a big thing for Amy Adams drunk. And let me tell all you John Robinson truthers out there. (laughs) Your general manager doesn't or your owner doesn't go and say, hey, when she's asked, what are you looking for? And she mentions a few words over and over and over. If your
0: guy did that, if the previous guy did that, he would be here. So the assumption is, is that all of this report. The clearly messaging strategy from both Rabel and Amy Adams.
1: It was, it about, I was
0: not expecting that today when I woke up, I was like, I'm okay, kind of, maybe
1: we'll get a Todd Downing firing tweet, maybe a Craig Ackerman firing tweet, but I was not expecting an Amy Adams drunk press dump right there on Monday. Then for Mike Rabel to go out and basically echo everything back, she back said, it, it
0: will clearly very orchestrated too, by the way, again, oh. all of it very orchestrated. I'll say the first thing I think everyone should take away from her comments, which I think is the number one, most important thing in the entire article is that Mike Vrabel will be here, the GM will be here and they will both separately report to Amy Adams Strunk ownership which means it's not a chain of command it's not Vrabel reporting to a GM reporting to ownership it is separate some teams do this in the league some teams do it the other way some teams have the head coach be the GM which is pretty rare but there's lots of different there's a couple different ways to do it this will be a true like triangle leadership structure where the two of them are equal the, the GM and Vrabel, and they will both report directly to Amy Strunk, which is very tells you, reminiscent
1: of a San Francisco 49ers yeah. kind of deal where Kyle Shanahan
0: and John Lynch really don't make decisions without each other. Right. But it's also not John Lynch dictating to Kyle Shanahan. everything right. that's going to happen in his, in his. Well, that's in what I'm his, saying. They, yeah. they,
1: they are simpatico on anything right. that they do.
0: And then the collaboration messaging strategy, which I, I tend to agree with. You probably don't hit that as hard as you do in the press release or Vrabel in the press conference if that was like the sh- <laughs> if that was the best thing john robinson did you would not go out of your way to say well, all of this well That's stuff.
1: what we talked about in the aj brown trade yes people were informed about it but there's a little bit difference between saying hey i'm thinking about doing something and then saying okay let me get your thoughts on it what do yeah. you guys think you know blah 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 you know there's a little bit different levels to collaboration obviously john robinson was not a very good one when you talk about everything that was said by both Amy Adams Strunk and Mike Vrabel. Now, on the flip side, I think one of, or not flip side, I think one of the most important things that she said was about the looking for someone that's innovative when it comes to, you know, how they approach general managing and how they approach roster construction and evaluating players, someone that's not stuck in tradition. That is a direct shot at John Robinson, who specifically said I am the analytics department in a in a in a quote, and talked about basically he shat on analytics for like four or five minutes, talking about you know 1970s and stuff like that. (laughs) And then you turn around and hear Mike Vrabel talk go in depth on all the analytics that he uses and tries to use for for practice, for practice and and preparation and in-game stuff. And I said when John Robinson got fired, because the process, because it was talked about, well, we'll never get an analytics department anyway, because Mike Vrabel's still here. And I cautioned people, I told people, I think that John Robinson is the main antagonist for the analytics department. And I am not saying that they're going to go in and spend all this money to analytics and all this stuff. But if you go and look at the people they're interviewing, two people from San Francisco, someone from Buffalo, someone from the Browns, and uh, someone from the
0: Bears all heavy analytics departments so the other news and I, I tend to agree I also have a tougher time like I I think there's gonna be a lot of like rehashing what took place with John Robinson I'm far more interested in like is what the process is now to find the replacement and then and then evaluating the two of them side by side I think is interesting but I, I think the collaboration part I think everybody knows that John Robinson ruled not with an iron fist, but like he ruled the roost pretty, pretty clearly. And definitely with With an
1: iron dip in his mouth, definitely
0: with the media. Yeah. Iron chaw. (laughs) Um, I think so a couple other pieces of news that you need to know. Um, they're not going to use a search firm. I I don't think people know what a search firm actually does. I don't know if it's the same in the GM sense as it is for like, I don't think you need one head coaches. I think you need absolutely need one for head coaches, college and pro. I don't know if you need one in the GM, but I'll, I'll I don't think you need one. I don't, I don't, Think you need one if well, if you, you know what you're doing. I don't think you need one for the pro. Well, so here just so, I'll, like I'll, I
1: agree with your college aspect of it that you I think you do need a search firm and stuff because college coaches are maybe. so far and wide. That's that may be true, but I don't. I think in the NFL you kind of you know what you know.
0: That that's fair. I do think so. What there's a misconception about what a search firm does. Like okay. search firms don't sort of like. And again, I don't know if this is the case for the general manager's situation. They are using a consultant, I guess. Uh, they're going to cast a quote, wide net. The interviews will begin this week. They will have two rounds of interviews. So I'm assuming a pretty large collection of people getting a first interview and then a fairly smaller, uh, a more narrowed down group. We'll get you the names here in just a second. Um, and I know you and, and Herndon are going to spend a lot of time dissecting all the different candidates on football and other efforts. So make sure you're tuned into that. Um, but what a search firm does in, in college football and, and pro football is not really like, I think people think you you hire the firm, you give them $50,000, they go pick the candidate, give it to you, and you hire them. That, that's yeah. not how it works. What they do is they are on they are boots on the ground. Right, So they are all over the country where you cannot possibly be, and they, they have people in every community, in, in every college town and pro, pro-organizational area to understand every sort of, like to build the dossier on every candidate. They don't actually, they, they also know scheme. So they know wh- which coaches do which things, which schemes fit best with your ideas and your principles. So the first thing a search firm does is sit down with you and, at, and figure out what you are philosophically. Then they go out and they track down off the field issues and they track down personality situations and they track down the schematic fit or or if it doesn't fit. And then they present all of that to you in all the different separate files. Right. So they'll they'll be like, here are your eight head coaching candidates. Here's everything you need to know. Like, here's what he, where he eats barbecue. You know, like it's everything because you, Amy Adams Strunk just physically cannot be in all of these places and know everything there is to know about these people. So that is what the search from technically does. So, I actually think they get kind of a bad rap. I think they're actually fairly, fairly useful. I don't know, in a general managing standpoint, if it still applies, because, like you said, we we know who's scouting what areas. We know what who's drafted which players. We can kind of you can see a little bit more of the resume on, on paper. I guess if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I think that when he co- comes down to it, it's all about relationships in the NFL too. So, how much is John Lynch going to talk these? these guys up what is their game plan for your team when they come in because in in the nfl you come in with a game plan for a team okay well i just let's use rand carthen for example because he's one of my favorite candidates that they have he's from the san francisco 49ers great organization to pull from by the way in a multitude of areas I was
0: gonna say, in, in every possible way <laughs> yeah
1: pull pull him in and they say okay you've you've seen our roster you've seen us play where do you think we need to go? And what's your game plan? And what's your overall philosophy? Where do you stand on this, this, and this? Because Vrabel alluded to it today. Because I know we have some, why haven't they fired Todd Downing yet? He has not done his exit interviews with any of the coaches. It was all players today. The focus today was on players. They, they had a rest day yesterday. The focus today was on players. Now he's going to talk to all the coaches. He also alluded to that there will be changes but those changes may wait until the GM is in.
0: I can't imagine there not being coaching staff
1: changes. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be coaching staff changes. Yeah. But I just want to say that it could you could be waiting a while. A couple of weeks. Because then. first off, Senior Bowl is January 30th. So obviously they're going to want a GM in place by then, which is before the Super Bowl, by the way. So they're going to want a GM in place by then, specifically because you just don't want Vrabel having to go down there with just right. Ryan Calden, whom Ryan Calden may not be kept on the next staffing. You ship. say uh,
0: Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl, Senior what did Bowl. I say? So you said Super Bowl.
1: Well, you go to the go Senior both Bowl. Of them. <laughs> yeah, go before the Senior Bowl, but you can't wait till the Super Bowl.
0: Exactly, exactly. So And so the other thing is that...
1: you. That's probably when your staffing changes are going to be made because that's when Bowen was announced as hired and Todd Downing was announced as hired, was down near around the Super Bowl. So I would think you're going to have to wait a couple weeks because they're going to... What if they get Rand Carthen in? He goes, they fire Todd Downing, Right. And they are—they go ahead and promote Tim Kelly without the GM being in. And he's like, "Well, I could have pulled this—you know—quarterback coach from over San Francisco." Right, right. This is why
0: you're—you're going to have to wait and be patient. I think much like an athletic director in college, like you have to have the guy making all the decisions in place first. The person in place to make all the like that person has to be. And again, she did say in her statement today that Mike Vrabel will then be brought into the process at some point. I believe is is how she worded it. Yeah. Um, so Vrabel will clearly be involved in this. At, at and Vrabel even at said end. today that he would be involved and he's already been involved. And it's been a, four, they've been at this for four
1: weeks. Yep. They've had
0: conversations. Like, of yeah. course,
1: they're human beings. Like, of
0: course, they've had there were people that,
1: uh, Braden that people that write for the Titans Wire, his name is Will Lomas, and I believe it's Titans Wire for USA Today. He, he said, I'm going to have to see it to believe it, that they'll even interview well, Outside candidates. Well, they've got five officially <laughs> yeah.
0: as of the first and, day. And let me
1: say this, four of the five are of minority, That's which good. I think is which I, th- I think is great sign that they are taking this process a lot more seriously than they did last
0: time. So uh, uh, obviously, Monty Austin and Ryan Cowden are the two internal candidates mentioned in the press release since then, since the press release this morning. Uh, we've had Rap Sheet, Ian Rappaport report. I think five different candidates. Yeah. You've got Adam Peters and Ryan Carthen. You've already mentioned both from yep. San Francisco. Peters actually was a scout in New England. At the with, same time. with, Of course, when Vrabel was there. Yeah, 03 uh, to 08. You had Ian Cunningham for Chicago. You have Glenn Cook from Cleveland. And then the gentleman for Buffalo. Uh, Which was Malik Boyd. There you go. So, I, had, I had the other ones up. Oh, there's more. No, the two that so, you mentioned. So right now they have five external interviews already set two internal candidates already set they will go through one big round of interviews and then of course they'll go through their second round of interviews and at that point again she she's she kind of stressed like we we have some urgency here but we're going to take our time to get it right which i yeah. think is I, I don't even know like how you and they're,
1: they're they're casting a really wide net because you're talking about you know two from San Francisco one from the Browns one from the Bills these are all these are all teams that do use analytics by the way which i know i have said that earlier but i want to em- emphasize that these are teams that use analytics. And then and I think that you know the Bears, I'm not too familiar with them. I can't remember if it's the Vikings GM the, the, or the Bears GM that kind of spoke out a little bit against analytics. But in the end, Chicago's on the other side yeah. of the
0: spectrum from the Titans.
1: Yeah, interviewing uh, someone from the Bears is probably good because this is a young yeah. and upcoming franchise that has had its struggles because this, is a, this would be a guy probably under the new GM. So I don't know really. Right where um I will say about Cunningham's it. background has led him before the
0: Bears but I think it is very interesting especially with the Bears having the number 1 pick. I will say this uh, and I have been told this uh, by people in the scouting department that the Browns and the Ravens are considered the two most like extreme yeah. uses of analytics and so to have somebody from the Browns on this list to your point everything is kind of telling right there's right. there's a read between the lines on all of this stuff and it doesn't mean that any one of these persons people is going to be the guy or the girl, but like you can't... You can kind of see the strategy if you kind of mm-hmm. read between the lines, and I think clearly evolving and modernizing, and we had we had a comment here from, from Stoney about Rabel's aggressiveness on fourth down should have told people that he was more analytically inclined. Fully agree. I, I agree with that, but I also think because they went for it on fourth down like the first half too, right? I, I want to say... And it they, worked. They also realized how the, the desperation of the situation, too. Like, that, yeah, but that they, he, it's not
1: always it. been that way since he's been coach, and that's what Stoney is referring to. I mean, when you talk about one of the, uh, when you are talk about fourth down conversions, whether you go for it or you punt or you kick a field goal, Mike Vrabel's always been throughout his career in the top ten of those decisions, yep. and that is because Stretch is in his ear, yep. and and I am a little comforted to know that Stretch is not on the list of GM candidates have been publicly re- released. Uh, why would he have good. not? Why would he
0: have not have been on the the release? I I don't know. I like, mean, I think it's Monty some, some, or Ryan, and that's it inside, yeah, right? Yeah, I, th-
1: I think it yeah, should be. I yeah. mean, I think that's what you should consider. Yep. But you, there are times where GM candidates kind of fly under the radar. That's true. I, I don't. I think at this point, with the way that it's looking and trending, I would expect not
0: Ryan Calden and Monty Osford. It, I think it's going to be an agree. external hire, ninety percent um so i will say this brian brian asked us a question that i think well we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. he says how many of, of the problems for the titans get fixed in free agency um and i've had we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk about tom brady maybe <laughs> yeah we might have time to talk about the quarterback or the draft and we'll have free agency obviously is a huge part of the offseason we get all of that um but i i do believe and i think you kind of said this all along correct me if i'm wrong but part of the reason brady wouldn't would even consider coming is that you can fix a thing like the offensive line in an offseason. He did it with the pass rush. John Robinson did it with the pass well, rush. He did with the offensive line from 2015, 2016. Right. You can do it. So when you've got a, especially with the top 10, 12 pick where you've got two or three offensive tackles that are all quality caliber, kid out of Northwestern and then Paris Johnson. And I mean, they've got a lot of options there with that pick. And that could be, a, a quick fix to yeah. the offensive line and then you bring in a free agent and then you have Nate Davis resigned and then all of a sudden NPFS set right tackle and all of a sudden Tom Brady's playing behind a better offensive line right or or Derek Henry or Tannehill so it, quickly how, how many problems do you think are addressed in free agency versus the draft like what's the <sighs> well addressed I mean, and fixed are two different things nothing yeah, it's
1: going to take I think it's going to take two years to fix and solve the offensive line now they can address it and improve it in one offseason. All you gotta do is not be the by far the worst offensive line in the NFL. And they were by far the worst offense. This is like they were the Titans 2020 third down defense of offensive lines. <laughs> I mean, it was offensive to watch this offensive line. And I at the end of the day, get them to 18. Tom Brady will take care of the rest. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady is a magician. You saw it in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay skyrocketed towards the end of the year in pass protection. And they were they were putting out just as many scrubs as the Tennessee Titans were. And all you got to do is get if if it's Tom Brady, like when you say why would free agents ever want to come here? Well, first off, the Titans are not gonna run every single aspect of this thing, but that one free agent back.
0: Right. And did you listen to every player? I mean, again, maybe it's coach speak from the players. Yeah, but every single player. As in that locker room today in the clean-out day was rate was raving about wanting to be back in the culture, and Simmons wants to be here for life, and Tannehill wants to be the quarterback, and David Long wants to sign a contract, and uh, Kevin and, Byard and don't over-react. loves all this stuff. By like, the way, don't overreact to this comment by Jeffrey Simmons. Um,
1: I'm not going to play on my fifth-year option, and we have our contract talks have stalled. They don't have a general manager, so of right, course right. contracts have stalled. <laughs> so don't overreact.
0: So w- there's a lot of stuff to get to with Rabel. I want to take a pause because yep. I, I am utterly fascinated with how this offseason is going is to play out. There are so many moving parts that will dictate where this franchise goes from here on out. And certainly I think the next step is going to be the coaching staff evaluation mm. and the GM interviewing process. So we can kind of stay focused on that. And we'll get to Rabel's comments on that stuff. Uh, but I want to take a little interlude here. Yeah, because Seven and ten, not a great season. Certainly not what fans expected. Certainly not what the team expected after all the winning and all the playoff appearances. I do want to throw a couple of nuggets at just all right, because these are, these are moments of positivity after a seven and 10 loss, losing the division, missing out on the playoffs brought to you by the pharmacy and the Kingston group. So moments of positivity brought to you by our great and wonderful and amazing local sponsors. How about this? Ryan freaking Stonehouse broke an 80 year old record, 53.1 yards per punt. Breaking Sammy Baugh's 1940 record. I believe Sammy Baugh won a national championship at TCU, by the way. I don't know why I remember that. Um, NFL record for a rookie, for anybody ever in the history of the league. By the way, rookie of the year should be Ryan Stonehouse, right? (laughs) Shouldn't it be Ryan Stonehouse? Um uh, who's the who's the top candidates right now? I'm drawing a blank on I feel like exactly. it's a runaway. But um. exactly. <laughs> Ryan Stonehouse. Uh, Kevin, moment of that's that's one moment and nugget of positivity brought to you by the pharmacy here in East Nashville and the Kingston Group. BuildKg.com. You want another one? Yeah. Kevin Byard. Oh, I don't care about it. Ba- back-to-back seasons of leading the team with tackles and interceptions. That's never happened in franchise history. It's also so. not a good thing that your safety is leading the league in tackles. I don't mind. I don't, or leading don't the mind, good team but, in tackles. But, but when you have the injuries to the linebackers, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Either way, pretty good season. Restructure that by. contract, Mayor. Then we'll talk about keeping <laughs> you around. He is fifth uh, all-time in franchise history with 27. Or tied for fourth, excuse me, all-time excuse me 27 interceptions that's the bearded iris pilsner by the way uh coming up here it's i'm getting i i I love kevin byard i just as a non-titans fan i love kevin i like kevin
1: byard too but you you can't go in with that current
0: contract into 2023. that that may be true that may be true uh but either way tied for fourth now all time uh in franchise history how about this derrick henry the 1538 yards sixth all time in titans history now owns the first fifth and sixth best rushing seasons in franchise history. It was his second best all-purpose season from scrimmage, his most receiving yards ever as a Titan, uh, almost 400 yards receiving. He broke every touchdown record in the record book, 78 rushing t- all time, 81 touchdown total touchdowns, number one all time. Um, he, he, if he plays next season here, there is an outside chance. If he, I think he needs like 1,700 yards to break Eddie George's franchise rushing record, so he does need to come back to probably make a run at that. But again, just some nuggets of positivity. Derrick Henry, even if he's not as good, still the sixth best rushing season in franchise history. And, uh, I wouldn't even second in the NFL, I think in rushing over 1500 yards, just another, another pretty good year from a guy who, even if he was half a step slower, you know, nuggets of positivity here. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I know you're not big into all this his, his, yeah. his historical it's just, stuff. It's just, all, I like you know, it. It's just all I like a uh, little, little,
1: paper medals that you pin on your kindergartners. I
0: love football reference, and I love I love record books and all this stupid stuff. It's how I, I learned to do math on the back of a baseball card, so I love this stuff. So, uh, just some nuggets. Some nuggets there to keep in mind uh, as um, we move on to some of the fire this guy and cut that guy and walk away from this guy and restructure that guy. There's going to be a lot of that this offseason. offensive line is terrible. They lost the division. Just, just pharmacy, buildkg.com, Kings Group, just some positive yeah. stuff. That's all. That's all. Thanks, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for, thank you for letting me do that. I thank appreciate you. what you're doing. <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate. Uh, now on to Zach Yelling again. <laughs> Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, Alright, so that brings us to Mike Vrabel's comments and what amounted to the longest press conference, I think, Oof. of his head coaching career here Has in, to be. in Nashville. I, I I texted you I think I texted you as soon as it was over and I was like, that was a lot of shit. Um, where do you want to start? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think first off we need to talk about you know, the the stuff he
1: corroborated with Amy Adam Strunk, which is specifically collaborating. And he talked about how important collaboration is. Um, And he talked about essentially that he's, he, his love of analytics that he uses. And I, and I, he uses it a lot. He uses an injuries gameplay and all that. And I think those are important because those are the two most important things that you need to take away from Amy Adam Strunk comment. And now you have evidence that backs that up that, hey, brighter tomorrow because we're going to have a GM that comes in here that believes in collaboration and that believes in making sure that they are at the forefront of making decisions for this roster and when they're going to the draft.
0: So I think the injury stuff, I mean, obviously he, he was asked about Todd Downing. He was asked about Derrick Henry. He was asked about the quarterback situation. He was asked about all this stuff. But the injury No stuff-
1: staffer is safe but Shane Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> if, well, if, you want, if you want my opinion, besides
0: Shane Bowen and Jim Schwartz, no staffer I, is safe. And I, I think I would go maybe O'Hara. I think he's probably in good shape. Yeah, I, I think it would be probably. I, I mean, to your point, I wouldn't be surprised at anything almost yeah. other than a couple names like you've already mentioned. But the injury stuff was a big chunk of the the long time that they spent was trying to figure out and have him explain to people why these things have happened. And I I I'll I'll, I'll disagree tiny bit. I don't think I learned anything new. Like I knew he tracked GPS. We knew they wanted they tracked the the re, they added the regen days in training camp since the beginning of his tenure here. We knew that they the ninety percent mark is this thing where he wants everybody to be at ninety percent at all at all times so that it's not a 22% 100% at, on game day or whatever. We kind of he's he's mentioned a lot of that stuff before. Some of it. He has and I've so, never
1: heard of the region day tracking speed, tracking that. I know they track stuff, but he got into the minute details of it. That may be it. true. The
0: details of it. And and
1: I think the details are what especially in a press conference that is the season in press conference, most of your fans are probably not tuning in to the press conferences you're referencing, but they're tuning into this one. That's true. That's true.
0: I will say the the uh, the, the regen days the regeneration days that he said he was asked basically have you done anything differently that over these two years that could lead to some of the things that have happened and we'll, we'll get to the we'll get to the shots at the players <laughs> um but i do think when you look at the the only thing he's actually done differently according to him is he's actually taken it easier on the team in camp that's what a regeneration day is right like he's just taking it slightly easier on his players during training camp this year and the year before than he did when he first got here. So in theory, the only thing he's really changed is making it a little bit easier on his team, not harder. If you're going to use that as an argument, hey, they practice too hard or they push them too hard or that's why they get injured, it seems like he's actually gone the other direction.
1: Right. So, that, and I, I think the blister calluses thing is a big... was so weird. It, it's, it's a weird way to put it, but I think it's a big overarching theme that continues on from the 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. guys because i talked about you know guys like christian fulton you know these guys but Dupree, Zach cunningham these guys that kind of stay injured and they linger through injured you know that to me tells you right there that you're on track if you think the 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. guys are heavily that are heavily involved are also the guys that constantly stay injured kind of leads me to believe to connect the dots.
0: So uh, the, I was so I was wondering where he was going with that when I first heard it. The do you want to be a callus or a blister? And I thought at first he was going to allude to certain like injuries. Yeah. That that, like, all right, this injury you have to push through because it needs to become a callus. This injury is a blister, so you have to take care of it like a blister. Like I thought he was going to do some something like that. But then he used the phrase, do you want to be a blister? And I was yeah. like, whoa, wait a yeah. second. That's people a, are
1: people are choosing that's to a different
0: phrase. basically
1: not fight through injuries is pretty much what I took from this, is that people are taking these. I would say for lack of a better term, wimpy injuries that other players tend to play through and they're not wanting to play through and they're not wanting to build calluses to get out there. And they want to take the, they want to take the easy way out when it comes to recovery.
0: What'd you make about, so you're saying, cause I think he said and there's another GM D-
1: candidate too. Okay.
0: Uh, just a second. We, yeah. David Long and Christian Fulton, he said specifically, and then he mentioned Kevin Byard and said, not he knocked on wood and did the whole thing. Yeah. Um, he called with the soft tissue issues and he said that basically, uh, you know, these are reoccurring issues for these guys. Uh, what did you make of that? Is it, uh, is it, are I would not put David Long in the eight to four category? Like he doesn't no, strike me But as that he is a guy
1: that lingers on that injury report when he's on there. Um, the You know, to, this hamstring issue is, is, cannot be as severe as what David Long is letting it out to be, is what I got from that. If you're mentioning okay. if you're mentioning it it's either David Long's not doing the extra effort that it takes to get back from injury
0: or he's it's not as bad as what you want. Either or it's bad. Is there a chance that it's just those are the two names that have been injured could a lot be. this year and it just happened to point a fa- point out the facts. It
1: could be but they've also been the two that have had lingering issues all season
0: or through multiple seasons. Can we do a quick little game a little exercise here? Sure. So we got another candidate for you guys here coming up in just a second, but there's a list of names I have here, and I want you to tell me if you think they're eight to, in the eight to four category. Okay. Pure speculation on our part, of yeah. course. But I'm I got a list of guys, and these are a lot of these names are names that are going to be on, on the top of the list of decisions that whoever's hired and Vrabel and the team is going to have to decide something on. Yeah, okay. whether re-sign, restructure, or cut. Right. Yeah. All, these are and these are all bigger names on the team. Eight to four guy or not? That's the new game show here on the football show, brought to you by Pharmacy. Kingston group Ryan Tannehill no Derrick Henry no Taylor Lewan, yes okay check Nate Davis I I tend to lean
1: yes okay I don't know about that one yet but I that that one's probably the most it, it and him and David Long are probably the most iffiest, but by lead to Nate Davis being a yes
0: so Dave I'll, I have David Long written down here too okay. so David Long I,
1: I would say uh I may I'm like 50
0: okay. 50 I'm not really ready for that one. Robert Woods I think it dudes a pro. Yeah, I would. I would say no. Austin Hooper, no. Also a pro. T.R. Tart, no. Pro. Not at not at all. Bud Dupree, yes. Okay. Zach Cuttingham, yes. Okay. So Lawan, Davis, Long, Cuttingham, Dupree are the five you said could be eight to four guys in your opinion. Most of those. Are <laughs> How many long. of those five are back?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I would say I, maybe I, Nate I, Davis. I'm, that's I'm, it. I'm torn on. I think I think Nate Davis and David Long may be backed. Out of necessity, because you're, you you got to get them back cheap. You cannot let the market if they, they want to get overpaid, let them go. Because at yeah. this point, a best ability for this team going forward is availability. And these guys, both of these guys, have proved in their own way they cannot stay available. They cannot be trusted to be available. Seventeen game stretch plus playoffs, and so they have to be back on a on a reasonable deal. You're talking maybe like five mil per year for David Long and I
0: think seven think
1: to eight for Davis. I think
0: five million would be a pretty good, pretty good deal for, yeah. for David Long, both sides of the equation, frankly. Yeah. Uh, TR Tart, of course, with new. Uh, Repres- new, new yeah, Drew Rosenhouse. Drew Rosenhouse. This guy, this guy hey, That's not good. <laughs> TR Tart, he knows how to play the game. <laughs> he does. Uh, a couple other notes here, real quickly. Jeffrey Simmons, no surgery for him in the offseason. Um, David, again, all these other guys. I thought Willis. The Willis Dobbs stuff, I think, was kind of... It was fine. I didn't really make much of it in the locker room. No, I, I, I didn't either. So, what else from Vrabel do you want to get to? Because there's a... Like, we're already, well, at, we're already an I, hour in
1: here. Well, just real quick. I think speed is is a big issue here. Uh, or a big... Not issue, but I think it's a big topic. This guy said... Mike Vrabel has said that he wants the fastest roster in the NFL. And he wants the fastest players. John Robson does not draft fast players. He's never drafted a fast wide receiver outside of racing with math in the sixth round. AJ's pretty fast. But he wasn't fast testing.
0: Okay. You gotta,
1: there's, a, there's a difference between fast as a rookie and fast as a pro later on down the line. And he wants fast. I think you're going to see... I think I think that's a good sign for David Long's ter- long-term viability. I think he will get to stick around, but he's got to be reasonable on his pricing. But this team's going to get fast. I don't think the corners are fast enough. I don't think the... Um, wide receivers are fast enough,
0: and quite frankly, the running back may not be fast enough for a long time. I I think you're right, especially coming off a game against Jacksonville. He mentioned speed so well. I mean, the speed for Jacksonville on offense was just so obvious. Like it was just so. Again, you may not love all those players; they may not be championship caliber players, but they are fast as hell. (laughs) Like all those guys, Evan Ingram is not really a tight end. He's just a fast, big guy. Yeah. Ugly haircut, by the way. Him and Zay
1: Jones have the ugliest haircuts I've ever seen.
0: Um, So I think I'm with you on speed because I I think again juxtaposed against Jacksonville on Saturday, which is pretty obvious that that was just a fast. Well, I think
1: it's just also a a nice juxtaposition
0: of what you saw John Robinson draft. John Robinson. So it's so it's so interesting though because on defense and maybe it doesn't apply on defense. Maybe that he wants the fastest offense and then maybe corners is is maybe valid here. But it feels like a lot of guys that they draft are such rabble. like Elijah Molden is such a rabble guy, it feels like. It feels
1: and like it because it's attitude, but maybe it he's looking, not a for, speed guy. Yeah, he's looking for more attitude plus speed. <laughs> it doesn't have to be it right, doesn't right. have to be one or
0: the other. That's fair. That's fair. And um, I think that's that's the point. All right, what else you got from the press conference? We got Todd Downing. You want to tell us about the new candidate well, real I, fast?
1: I, like I said, I, I think that Todd Downing's on the hot seat for sure. I, I would be highly surprised if he was still on the team. I think Craig
0: Ackerman. I go 50-50 on what, him. Oh, we'll see another... Big part of the game on Saturday. Yeah, like, he, it terrible, was terrible coverage. It was terrible. Agnew had three huge plays that uh, yeah. that uh, had a big impact on the game.
1: Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, it's been terrible all year. It's been terrible his whole career. He sucks. I told you he sucks at the beginning of the off season. He still sucks. Nothing changes. Same thing with Todd Downing. Just listen to me. I'll tell you who sucks way before you. They actually did set throw a up.
0: punter record though, an NFL yeah, that's, record. That's
1: player, not coach. That's valid. Yeah, that's are you hey, telling me that listen, Craig
0: Ackerman didn't teach Ryan Stonehouse how to what, kick a football.
1: Also, also, let me tell you this they wouldn't have had to punt so much if they had a good offensive coordinator. So, <laughs> it I will, it all comes, back, it to all comes back to Todd Downing. Um, at this point, guys, just just settle in. It's going to oh, be a gonna, fun be offseason, so fun. and they've just announced, and this is a really big interview too, because uh, the Cardinals are probably leading towards um Adrian Wilson at this point, but Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, they were, is, uh, Quentin Harris is going to get interviewed by the Tennessee Titans, Gordon, Ian Rappaport for the vacant GM job. Just to give you a little background on how good Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson are. Former, for, and former how safety? Yeah, Adrian Wilson, both of them. They're really? former players. Um, just how important they are to, and well-respected around the league. There was a rumor this morning, just earlier this morning, that the Cardinals wanted to keep both in a co-GM job. and and obviously if they're allowing Quentin Harris to get an interview, they're probably leaning more towards Adrian Wilson, which they should be but there has been no one that has risen up the ranks as fast and as quick as these two have this is very John Lynch-esque for both these players that rise up the ranks, but they put in more work (laughs) they put in more work and I will say this, uh, Quentin Harris um,
0: again another minority candidate uh, so that is now officially six external candidates, eight total, two inside the building. Austin Fort and count the two inside the building. Net. I'm actually
1: so. still expecting
0: a female representative to be interviewed. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. I think I, I'm with you on the off season, just being extraordinarily fun. And I, I, I say this, uh, we're really excited about what 440 sports Zach, what we've got planned for you guys this off season. I think you're going to be really excited about it. I think we're going to have some really great stuff for you that nobody's doing anywhere else. And, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Because I'm going to be
1: making a huge announcement on the show on
0: Thursday. We've got we've got lots of announcements coming yeah. coming here on 440 Sports, a football show, and for, for Zach as well. So uh, make sure you stay tuned. Turn on the notifications. And Stoney's asked me to take a quick victory lap on Sam Howell. <laughs> he looked good. <laughs> on his first pass as an NFL player, he throws a touchdown pass. I was on ESPN Radio, and I said, look, I, this has got the best arm of anybody in this draft class. Turns out the bar wasn't all that high. It was not. Because <laughs> let me say
1: something. If if you want if you want some uh, positive nugget for next year 2023 for Tennessee Titans, brought look at by, the, look at brought to you by the pharmacy, brought to you by BillKg.com. Kingston Group. The Kingston Group. Look at the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers and think of at least two games better and a better roster. Because that's what I think that this team is gonna look like, a soft rebuild. Because that's what the Steelers did, and they still remain competitive. And Mike Vrabel is just as good as Mike Tomlin Ta- as a head coach.
0: Talk about sixteen straight
1: winning seasons for Mike Tomlin. Still underrated, I think. Actually, Severely underrated, coach. but I think Mike Vrabel is just right up there with them. Yeah. And I think that you need to be all be looking towards the Steelers. And I know it was nine and eight, and it wasn't pretty, but I think the Titans will be a little bit
0: prettier than that. I I could see that comparison. Uh, obviously, Lovey Smith out for Houston, Kingsbury out for Arizona, so. We'll keep an eye on, on what other things happen in the AFC South. That is, they're going to have four straight seasons with four head coaches. Four new head coaches, I think, for the Houston Texans. Uh, just an extraordinary situation down there in Houston. I don't know
1: how you would want to go down to Houston other than, hey, I'm going to get my quarterback. A lot of draft, cap- lot of draft yeah. capital,
0: I guess. I don't know. Unless Nick Casario is still making the picks. Uh, well, he might. He, he's in rumored to be in trouble yeah. as well. So uh, we'll keep you guys up to date on all this stuff. Make sure you check out Football on All Their Efforts this week with Zach and Mike Herndon as well. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from Broadway Sports Media. Sign up there as well. All the other great shows from, Fringe, uh, from 440 Sports. Fringe Element tomorrow with Corey Forrester. He's going to be a lot of fun. That dude is absolutely hilarious. Huge Georgia fan. So we're going to talk with him uh, tomorrow. Recapping the TCU-Georgia game that is, of course, on Monday evening. So, uh, obviously, we do appreciate the pharmacy for having us here. What a legitimately gorgeous January. I'm
1: literally going
0: to make them serve me outside. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go inside. I think you should. I think you should. Uh, Thank you guys all for being in the comments. You guys were uh, lit up today. We do appreciate it, of course. Uh, And it is going to be a fun, fun, fun off season. You have to to tune in every Monday,
1: every Thursday. You need to tune into this show because we got so much coming down the pipeline. The off season is where I thrive. (laughs) <laughs> I love off-season talk because it's never dull and it's always full of information, and little tidbits. This, and then we're gonna have to be previewing the college football season coming up, just right around the corner. This the off-season always goes
0: by way quicker than what everybody thinks it does. It is going to be fun. It's the most important off-season, maybe in franchise history for the Tennessee Titans. Correct. Uh, and frankly, a more wide-open college football season yeah, potentially next year than we've ever seen until with all the, these teams losing until, players. So. Well, until Alabama hires Cliff Kingsbury, that's it's over! <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Don't even play this season. Somebody on this show told you guys that Georgia was underrated back in August. Somebody. Somebody told you guys that. Thanks for listening. Thanks, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get the Frogs <laughs> a victory here. I'm trying, TCU. hypnotoad Toad, all the way. For Zach, I'm Braden. Thanks for watching, everybody. Kingston Group, a pharmacy. This has been a football show.